are here with Zach Bolin of Citizens and Saints and also a new venture that um, he started with some other guys called Gospel Song Union. And uh, we're excited to have him today on the podcast to chat about those things. So welcome, Zach. Thanks for being here with us. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It's fun to be able to talk about this, this new stuff here. Yeah, so we got Adam and I here from Church Collective um, chatting with Zach. So, um, so Zach, why don't you run us through um, Gospel Song Union? I'm sure people that follow Church Collective have seen at least a few things about it, maybe checked out the website or the Instagram account. But why don't you run us through how this whole thing came about and really uh, what it's all about? Yeah, so when we, um, you know, when Marcel, uh, Marcel Music was um, one of the, you know, despite some of the really sad things that came from Marcel, um, Marcel Music was this really special thing that was a really strong Mm -hmm. uh, part of the church, but was also something that continued even past, um, past Marcel. And so we really felt like over the past year and a half, a lot of us, you know, myself, Chad from King's Kaleidoscope, Cam Huxford from Ghost Ship, Brian Uckleberger, he's, he plays keys and citizens, but he also led the band sing team, Dustin Kendrew, like all of us really felt like none of that was meant to just be a part of like some sort of (laughs) historical past, but rather something that should continue. Like our band still get like all those bands still continue to do stuff. And so the big thing that we've kind of realized over that time was that we were strongest together. And in the aftermath of all the Marcel stuff that kind of dispersed everybody, we kind of went our own ways for a while. And we just kind of discovered that that was not the best way of doing things that we were strongest when we did things together. And for us, we also, realized that while there were a lot of great things about Marcel, one thing that, uh, or Marcel Music, I should say, um, while there was a, a number of good things with Marcel Music, the thing that I think was a bit, um, I don't know, it, it probably created some tension for people, was that Marcel Church itself was a bit polarizing. Um, and we wanted to do something that was a bit more broad, not necessarily um, saying like, hey, we're going to, you know, really, I guess what I mean by that is I want to do something more broad in that. Okay. We all can agree, you know, on the Nicene creed. And from there, there's a a world of songs left to be written. And while you may on the reform side, want to write a song about election. Um, sure. But it doesn't necessarily have to be the primary focus of the songs that you write. And the same thing would go on like the charismatic side, like, you know, does do you know does there necessarily need to be you know a primary aspect of your songs written about baptism by fire or you know the second baptism of the holy spirit like there's a lot of places that we can meet in the middle and so that's hence the gospel song union it's meant to be something that actually brings that focuses more on the whole church rather than a sect or a specific denomination and so that's our hope because the, and the, and really what that came from is I can really speak only to citizens in this, but we'll, we'll, you know, we'll go and play a lot of different places and meet a lot of different people. And there's no, there's, you never, you, it's not like we have an overwhelming majority of people from one specific, you know, theological corner or denomination. Like there are people from, I mean, we've done things with the Salvation Army denomination. Uh, had no idea that was even a not denomination <laughs> until we did something. With them. Uh, you know, we've done stuff with them. We've done stuff Calvary Chapel. You know, Methodist, Baptist. You know, non-denominational. Uh, we've done. You know, we're meeting Catholics, Episcopalians, like all these different people. I'm, I know I'm not even. You know, 
Presbyterians, like all these different people that are from these different denominations, if you will, but are finding the music that has been written to be incredibly encouraging to their body and to their churches and to them personally. And so for us, we we felt like, man, let's 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 regroup as Marshall Music, but under a new name, and let's also with the intention of expanding that um, and inviting in other songwriters and other people that are writing for the church to participate in that with us because. You know, I, you know what we've realized is that you know we the things we agree on um, are far greater than the things that we may be a part on, and um, that's just the beauty of God's grace. And I think it's and it's an area that we can really grow in as a church um, is, is instead of being known for what we don't stand for, being known for what we do stand for, and that's you know first and foremost the cross of Christ and and who we are um, in Jesus. And so that's uh, that's really the main hope behind the gospel song union. So that's sort of like the main vision. Practically what that looks like is it's more song based. So we find, you know, the songs of those, you know, existing bands and then the bands in the future that are writing songs that we found to be particularly encouraging and helpful to the church. And we want to provide as many resources as possible. And so right now, I mean, our biggest thing is we want it to be sort of collaborative. We want the people that are finding the gospel song union to be helpful for them to let us know how we can continue to be more helpful. So we might think, all right, chord charts and blogs and whatever, but somebody might come out and say, Hey, we want, can you give us uh, all your chord charts for whatever these songs in Spanish? It's like, all right, I don't speak Spanish, but <laughs> I know some people who do that can help us translate that. So like, those are the kinds of things that we're not necessarily trying to be all things to all people, but we, at one, at a certain point we want to, we see ourselves as more of a resource to the church, not trying to take anything from the church, but we're writing these songs uh, with the church in mind and not all of them are corporate songs, but the ones that are, we want to make sure that we're providing as many things possible. And the other aspect of the Gospel Song Union, which I actually get the most excited about, is we are wanting to be a community that is not, that, that just as much as we can remove celebrity from this. We've been there, done that, don't want to go there again. And what I mean by that is, when we create a celebrity uh, culture within the within the body of Christ, we inevitably create this, um, I think, false um, uh, doctrine, if you will, of platforms that you know. Well, I've been given this, and, and people use the language, but I, I think it's worth considering, you know, why we use this language. Um, you know, we'll use the language of, well, God's been giving me this platform and I need to use it. But when you really look at, you know, like a passage like Philippians 2, um, there is no platform involved in that. It's Jesus made himself nothing. You know, he was the only one who knew what equality with God, you know, he was the only one who could even possibly grasp that, yet he chose in humility to, to make himself like us mm. and um, even to become less than that, to become our sin the sin of the whole world. And so I think that what is important for us to see is that God has given influence to every single person that he has saved, whether that's to, you know, a, a, a mom and a dad and their major primary influence is their kids, or it's a pastor of a church, or it's a singer in a band, or it's a, an accountant, or it's a philosophy professor, um, you know, maybe it's a, you know, a judge or it's a janitor, whatever, you know, like every, it, like that's not our identity. Our identity is we have been 
We're children of God. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. And God has given us influence. And so the big thing about the Gospel Song Union that we're going to do as well is we want people to hear from lots of different people, not just the ones of worship pastors of churches of 10,000, but what about the worship leaders who have been leading for 30 years faithfully at a church of 200? Like, shouldn't we be celebrating that just as much as the church that's grown to 2,000 in two years? Mm. Not, all those things are great, you know, and all those things should be celebrated. It's just we shouldn't value one more than the other. We should be celebrating it equally. Um, and so that's the hope of the Gospel Song Union is, like, to be able to hear from people that have never really gotten much of a voice to be able to speak into the lot. You know, my favorite book, my favorite worship book, if you will, is Unceasing Worship. Most people don't know who Harold Best is. That's because he's not a super popular dude, but he's an incredibly wise man who taught, you know, at a music conservatory for years and understands the theology of worship, as I'm sure you guys are familiar with that book. And I just think there's just something about that to me that's way more appealing than a guy who's going to necessarily give me five steps to how I can play my guitar better on Sunday. You know, like there's sometimes I want to, I want to hear more about, you know, different things like that. But overall, I think there's something really special about hearing from people that um, have a lot of wisdom um, that maybe we would otherwise ignore because we've been so inundated with celebrity and the church culture. And I I hope that um, we can have a conversation more with people that have a lot to bring and offer to us. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think, uh, agreeing with, with everything you just said there, uh, we see that a lot in church, you know, like, so that celebrity worship pastor culture. And I love, I love what you said there about celebrating and partnering with a faithful worship pastor who's been leading a church of 200 for 30 years and not concerned about, you know, how fast have they grown or, you know, how big is their worship ministry, but really connecting with those faithful leaders and, you know, resourcing those people as well, I think is, is so crucial. Um, especially when you look at the majority of churches in America, like what size they are, you know, people are kind of in that 100 to 200 range. You know, there's yeah. not, not every church is the 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, yeah. you know, getting towards that mega church number. Um, in different parts of the country, you see that, but by and large, you know, it is that small congregation with the worship pastor who's got a few people that volunteer on the weekends and just been faithfully serving that church. I think it's so important to, uh, you know, remind, remind people of that too. It's not just about yeah. the, the show or the big, the big thing. And, you know, people hear worship and they kind of get that picture in their head, I think sometimes of sort of the, the Hillsong-esque, uh, I know there's anything wrong with that, but the Hillsong-esque, you know, kind of setup and like that, that's what worship is, but that's, you know, that's, it's not. And I think we need to remind, remind people of, you're just saying that smaller context and that's where worship happens there too. So, well, and I think like miles and and Adam, like one of the things that I really think about too, like what you guys are doing. I mean, I would imagine you guys have an international audience, correct? Mm -hmm. Probably. Yeah. Like what's so cool about that is, you know, like when we focus on whatever church size is from a Western culture standpoint, (laughs) you know, for us, like a hundred, person church is small, I suppose. I don't know. But when you yeah. go, you know, to a lot of other countries, like that's a pretty special thing. And the number is completely insignificant. Mm-hmm. Right. And I love that with the internet, we actually have the ability, if we're willing to, to more, probably more so than ever before connect with the global church, mm-hmm. regardless of, you know, like whether it's a podcast that gets to 50 people and 10 of those are international or it's a, right. you know, a, 
a blog where thousands of people are reading from over the world. Like regardless, God's given you guys influence, us influence, give my wife influence, giving my kids influence in school, whatever it is, you know, it's like we just get to talk about Jesus and tell them about how much he loves them. And I think that's a pretty special thing that we get to share together, you know, globally as a church. Zach, yeah. I want to ask about, if you're talking about the smaller context and I'm in that, you know, I've got my, my church about 150 people yeah, and, and we do, um, three or four of your guys' songs and the challenge has been kind of deconstructing them and, and, and then re- rebuilding them for, for our setup. Um, yeah. And the last album, you guys did that. You guys had a couple of other songs from, from Mars Hill bands that weren't yours, but you guys redid them and it fit your sound. Um, yeah. Could you talk about that a little bit? Just because I think for like the average person, they hear um, a Chris Tomlin song and, and it's very, Oh yeah, I could I could pick that up and and it'll work in our context. And then they maybe hear uh, something Chad's doing over at, with King's Kaleidoscope, and the, and there's you know this, it's it's they they like it, but it's not something that they could feel like they could do on Sunday morning. Could you talk about maybe breaking down a song, especially one with a more complex arrangement or something, uh, and building it back up? Dude, I love that. I mean, I think that a lot of times, um, you know, Miles even hit on this earlier. You know. And I, I actually, I think this is a really interesting thing, not necessarily probably good or bad, but you hear a song and you, uh, sometimes it's hard to imagine it, envision it as anything other than how that song sounds, right? And I think that's why tracks and a lot of other things have become so prevalent in the church. But my, my whole thing is like, I think it's pretty special when you um, really analyze your context and your the people that you're leading, and, and it sounds like that's that's what you you've done um, there, Adam. And taking a song like for us, you know, "Oh Great Is Our God" is an example on, for citizens. You know, Sing Team Brian Eckelberger wrote that song, and we thought let's do our own arrangement of it. And it's not because that other arrangement is bad, but it's nice to give you know another just variety of what that looks like. I also think too, um, good worship songs are, um, or as I like to call them now, gospel songs. Um, gospel songs have the gospel in them, and they're inundated with, with, with scripture. And so I think that hopefully they can, like, they can just, they can stand on their own without needing to have that full band arrangement and can be just an acoustic guitar or piano. And what's really interesting to me is, you know, we'll get to hear a lot of different arrangements of our songs and it's always, I'm always really encouraged by the ones where they've just stripped it down and t- taken it in a different direction. And I, I also really appreciate the risks that people take too. I think that's kind of the cool thing about music and art is that um, I was thinking about this yesterday, for instance, and I think that, you know, there's some, I don't know, I would imagine you know, Adam, for you, like in your church context, there's probably a considerable amount of people uh, on your worship team, regardless of that number. There's probably some of them that probably enjoy the idea of just, hey, let's let's arrange it ourselves. Let's kind of do our own take on it, right? And may, maybe not, but I would assume there's at least one. There's always that one guy who who wants to play like the Freebird solo in every song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... Uh, I mean, but even in that, I think there's something kind of special about like giving people the freedom 
to, you know, to write and create. And I was just thinking about, I just, I can't imagine a world where we create art where there's not some form of indulgence. And I think that when we look at indulgence, we hear that word and we think, oh my gosh, that's sinful. But I mean, God made the world and then he said it was good and rested. You know, he, he like celebrated this work that he'd created. And I think there's something about getting to arrange and deconstruct a song to fit your context and being really encouraged by it and celebrating it. Um, not because, you know, we're boasting in like this thing that we've created, but more or less excited because, wow, here's this song that if I played it in its original form would have just been maybe a train wreck in terms of people just really resisting it and being bummed out on it versus we did it in our own way and people are really singing this song and it means something to them. Um, and it's also, I think comes down to how each worship leader presents it. You know, I think the call to worship, um, in and out of singing and exhortations is such an important part of what we do because it defines and helps create context for why these songs are significant to that particular liturgy for that day. Um, and so whether you have like a written out liturgy where you're kind of explaining that most churches, I don't think do that. Um, don't, you know, aren't, aren't necessarily going through all those details, which is fine, which is why I think the worship leader gets that opportunity to sort of express um, the vision for you, for, for why you're doing that. So I just, I think musically it's really fun to deconstruct. I do it all the time, um, but not everybody gets stoked on that. So I think it's also just the freedom to be like, hey, here's the chord chart for the song. You know, it's C, G, E minor, D. Just play it. <laughs> Sing the melody right and just play it how you think it should be. And I'm sure your people will get into it because, you know, if you're a respectable, genuine, authentic leader, then why wouldn't they? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with that. And you know, we've we've got a our church isn't huge, but um, you know, we've we're probably on a Sunday or around eight hundred or so. And we, you know, with that comes just people who know how to play music. And so we've got a, a fairly large uh, worship team. And so we were able to pull off, you know, kind of more true to the album style if we want to um, yeah. pull it off. And so you know, we've we've done that before. We've tried, and I've talked to you about this before. We've tried yeah. to do you know like sweetness of freedom with the youth group. And, you know, totally rock it out like it is on the album and just totally fell flat. But then we kind of um, broke it down and kind of did a little bit more of an acoustic version with the band. And they totally loved it because you could focus more on the lyrics. And yeah. it was less about the like rock and roll and more about the the song itself. And um, and I've noticed that with our main service, too, with the opportunities I've had to lead, lead in there with the youth band. And, um, you know, we'll do we've done we did the gospel by, um, you know, Ghost mm. Ship. And we kind of did it that style. And we've done Made Alive kind of your guys way. And even regardless of how people feel about the style of the song, I've had overwhelming feedback with people because of the lyrical content of those songs. And you, this goes back to you mentioning, you know, the gospel songs, you know, not necessarily worship songs, but gospel songs where the gospel is presented, where the people in our church will say, I really enjoyed that song. It really pointed me to the gospel this morning and, mm-hmm. um, or it fit really well with the message or, or whatever. And, and to get that feedback to know, okay, it wasn't somebody coming up saying like, I didn't like that guitar part or the drums were too loud or, Whatever, but they were like, "Hey, thank you for choosing that song um, because it really pointed me to Christ." And mm-hmm. you know, to have to have that where people are recognizing like the words are so powerful that it almost trumps what's going on musically. Yeah, where they're like, "Yeah, I didn't like that part necessarily, but like whatever," because the words were just so good that mm-hmm. it really it really helped 
you know, point me to, to who God is. And yeah, that's really the goal with every song that we do um, in, in music. And I think in the past I've been drawn to, you know, the, the big like, oh, this would sound really cool if we do this song and not really focusing so much on, on the lyrical content. Like, oh, it's, it's good enough, you know, but it just sounds so great. We got to do it. And we just that's the kind of the songs where you get the like, I don't really like it. You know, yeah. but then you do the songs where it's the lyrics are just so saturated yeah. with who God is that you get that feedback of like, thank you. That really pointed me to, to who God was, regardless of big guitar solo or, you know, driving drum beat or whatever. People really can focus in and hone in. And that's why I really am so on board with this whole gospel song union idea that you guys are doing, because I think it's going to be such a great thing for the church and uh, this place where people can go and get resources and just get a, ch- a chord chart and then say, we're going to just do this so it works for our church in our congregation. And maybe it's more traditional and maybe it's more, you know, rock and roll or whatever, but they at least have that place where they can go and get those gospel saturated songs to teach their church through music, who God is and uh, teach them the gospel through song. And so I think this is such a great new thing that the church is really going to benefit from for years to years to come down the road. Yeah, actually the opposite. Yeah, sorry. Adam, go ahead. It was the opposite way because I wanted to do There Is a Fountain so bad, but the music was like the, it was, you know, I I think some people would be drawn to the music and I was like, oh, I want to do this song, but how do I uh, overcome the fact that I don't have analog synthesizers and, and, (laughs) you know, things like that. So, you know, the the challenge can go both ways, but, uh, but I, but I think it's, it's, it's key to find stuff where the, the lyrics stand, even if folks don't like the music, because half the time they won't anyway, um, especially as the church mm. gets more fragmented, uh, you know, generation. You know, what's, what's, what's really interesting, Adam, is um, it's been quite interesting um, as we've played more this past year. When we were, at, when we were still at Marcel, we didn't really travel that much. Um, this past year we did a good bit, and... It's always it's interesting to me because I feel like probably more so our band of that of that five group of bands for whatever reason probably has a more broader audience. Uh, I mean, we'll just have like parents that come up to us and you know it's their kids' favorite music to sing, uh, or you know we'll have like eight year old women you know coming up to us and thanking us for it. And I think the thing that I've always seen that kind of has been pretty uniting in what we do has been the hymns aspect um, because they're, I think they give us a really good guide for, and something to learn from like, I, you know, I like to look at it as like our ancestors, you know, they wrote these beautiful hymns and these songs and we can learn so much from them as, as songwriters today. It doesn't mean that we need to write in the same sort of archaic language, but we can learn a lot from sort of the, the thoughtfulness of those songs. And it's always interesting to me, Whenever we go someplace, we just usually, and it's sort of a conference or something where we know there's going to be a more wider range of people, we're always just like, all right, let's just do lots of hymns. And what's interesting to me is when we do it, it doesn't matter how we play them. Like, our version of Nothing But The Blood is like a, you know, would we'll, we'll blow a 90-year-old lady's hair off her head. But, you know, it's sort of just kind of the way we, we've written that song, and we've never had anybody come up to us and say, Oh my gosh, 
you guys have just destroyed <laughs> destroyed these songs. And I think a lot of that is because we want to really honor the past, but also want it to be more of a collective gathering and not just for some sort of specific demographic, but hopefully inviting for all people and that they'd want to participate and sing along with us. And I feel like that's happening way more often in like probably your church miles, your church, Adam. And that's why I love the idea of even what you guys do with church collective, because it's like leaders speaking to other leaders versus it being something that's, I don't know when you see the Hillsong thing, or even if we were doing something like you see a production or see it done in a certain way and it's easy to start thinking that that's the way it should be done on Sunday, but that's just not, that's just not the case. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. All I could think there was uh, Huey Lewis from Back to the Future. You know, you, you guys, your hymns are too darn loud. <laughs> yeah. that, that's a question I have, though, because you were talking about accessibility. And, um, you know, when I listened to the, the new Ghost Ship record when it came out a few months ago, um, and, and podcast listeners will remember that we talked to, uh, talked to the guys from Ghost Ship uh, a few episodes back. But I remember thinking... I don't know if the lyrics of this record would have been the same if Mars Hill hadn't gone away, uh, or, or if they were still yeah. at Mars Hill. I don't. I don't know that some of the the sentiments could have been expressed there, just in the culture of the church. How do you guys feel as you're going forward as a songwriter? Do you feel like that's changing um, as you're writing for? You, you got an EP that's out right now on Noise Trade, um, and you guys are working on a new record. Do you feel like? the the way you're writing or what you feel free to express as a songwriter has changed. Absolutely, um, a lot of that I think it's just gonna. As I've had more time to think, <laughs> um, and I kind of made a shift in my songwriting uh, practices this past year and a half where I just decided I'm not going to write anymore where I sort of say, all right, I'm writing this song with the intention of it being a citizen song. I'm writing this with the intention of it being something else. Like just decided I'm just going to write music and and I'm going to write songs and I'm not going to try and box myself in. Um, and I think the benefit of that has become, um, I'm a lot more observed. I became a lot more observant to the, because, okay, you know, we're at Marseille, we're all part of the same church. It's really easy. You know, you got the same hundred, you know, a couple hundred people that you're with all the time. You're hearing their stories and the band is pretty united in like, oh yeah, these are the songs we need to write. That's basically been our first two records. Then that church is gone. We're no longer all part of the same church because it just wasn't practically, didn't make sense. You know, sort of like go wherever your family, you know, it's best for your family for each guy in the band. And what consequently happens is you wind up with a scenario where um, you honestly are you're hit, you're getting a number of different stories and hearing a number of different things. And I just decided that I wanted to write songs that had a heart and a soul to them, um, especially that deal with a lot of the Marcel stuff. And so it's definitely changed and transformed a lot of the writing. I would say too, though, with my solo stuff, um, I don't think that the Marcel stuff really affected that a whole lot. If anything, it just gave me more time <laughs> to work on writing music because I'm not necessarily my, my, the way I support my family now it's changed. And even philosophically, a lot of things have changed there. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that I just want to write songs that even whether it's my solo music or not, like one of the songs on my solo record is 
you know, is this song called Give It Time. And it's really all about, in a, in a pretty broad sense, but it's all about 1 Corinthians 13, that love's, love keeps no record of wrongs. And that if we're really going to pursue reconciliation, then we better both be ready to do that. Because what I don't want to do is forgive you, and then next time we're in an argument, and this could be with my wife, this could be with anybody, um, hang that thing that I said I forgave them for over their heads. Um, and that's a thing that we do often. And I don't think that that's necessarily going to work as a citizen song or a corporate song, but it's definitely kind of the fluid process of, as I'm reading the word, as God is teaching me and growing me, it's going to, it's going to affect the songs that I write regardless of who it's for. Sure. Yeah. So that, that's really, really great thoughts, Zach. Thanks for, for sharing that. Um, and as Adam mentioned in that, in that question, he mentioned that EP that you recorded recently. Um, can you just talk, uh, talk to us about that for just a second? Um, let us know where people can access that and, and maybe just share a little bit of like how that came about and, um, what, maybe what's next for some solo stuff for you. Yeah. I started writing those songs about 12 years ago. Um, I, a lot of them were just me sitting on my couch, uh, late, late at night, just working on, you know, writing different songs and just about life. Um, and, and I have always, it's kind of been like a pipe dream, like, Hey, how cool would it be to record, a record these songs? And then, um, a friend of mine, he had recently bought um, a tape machine and it's just, you know, a two track tape recorder. And we thought, man, let's, let's record this thing to tape. It'd be really fun. And I think over time, really what it evolved into was me being able to tell the story of when um, I grew up in this town in Maryland where um, there's just a lot of things I didn't like about it. And so I was pretty happy to leave town when I was 18 and go to college. And, I've always kind of looked at it as sort of, you know, I started writing music. I can remember like writing little songs when I was, you know, like five years old. They weren't good songs, but <laughs> I mean, my first, my first band, if you will, uh, was a band with my four friends and it was basically like a glorified, you know, new kids on the block or something like that. Uh, <laughs> singing, writing these Christmas songs. I still remember one of the melodies. I won't sing it for you, um, but because I don't want that to be out there in the internet. Um, but uh, I just started writing, you know, music and stuff, and I just kind of realized as these songs were coming together that really the songs that I wrote never they, they didn't really mean anything until I left home. Um, because for me, when you get away from where you grew up, it gives you perspective. And it causes you to look back on the stuff that was really hard. And you might look back on it and think, oh, it wasn't that hard. Or I was the reason why it was hard. Um, it also gives you perspective to look back and celebrate the things that were really good, too. And so that's really what all these songs are about. And the full length that will come out in, in May, um, it's just it's a chronological telling, if you will, of these stories. And it's like a living journal, except through in music. And there's just songs, you know... Um, you know, the old Cat Stevens thing of, you know, I, I feel like there's things even for my wife that I would love to articulate in a conversation staring into her eyes, but I just don't articulate as well uh, as I do writing it in a song. And so I just wanted to try and deal with like the realities of life. Like there's songs about love and one song called I Will Let You Down, which is basically 
uh, I was, I was officiating a wedding and I realized after it, like these vows are really stupid. <laughs> uh, I guess in theory they're really special, but in some ways they're just completely breakable. Um, and sometimes they put the focus if they're not done correctly. And I, I was feeling like I didn't do the right vows. Um, or I could have done it differently where the focus is more on like, I'm going to faithfully serve you and, mm. you know, always be there for you. And I'm, you know, going to basically be this, I'm going to be Jesus in your life. And that's just not possible. Um, and so, yeah, you're going to like, then what is love? Well, love is that if I let my wife down or if, if my wife lets me down or I let her down, she still loves me. And, um, that's what love is. Love is given without the expectation of it being reciprocated. And that's what God has shown us. So it's like songs like that. And so it's just, some people have listened to it, the whole album and thought it was a downer record. (laughs) Mm. Definitely is a very big difference from citizens, but just me telling stories. And I feel like I just enjoy the darker side of songwriting sometimes. So, Mm. yeah, thanks. Thanks for the insight on that. I think that's, it's helpful. And, just kind of fun um, for people to know where the songs come from just kind of helps when you're, you're listening through it. Um, so if you, people are listening um, to this, if you guys haven't accessed or gotten um, Zach's EP, you can find that on noise trade and it'll be up for about another week through next uh, Friday. So you can hop on noise trade.com and um, find his, his uh, EP on there and it's good stuff. I've, I've listened through it, really enjoyed it. So if you guys want to take a listen to some of Zach's um, solo stuff outside of citizens and saints and um, gospel song union, you can check that out. And uh, so uh, Zach, we got just a couple more minutes here, but why don't you run us through what, uh, what's been going on with um, citizens and saints lately and uh, what's on the horizon for you guys. Yeah, man. And thanks for listening to the EP, talking about it. It's really cool to have it out. Um, so with Citizens, we are uh, we're writing. Uh, well, we've written the record. It's been done. It's the first time. Um, a lot. What a lot of people don't realize is our former ways of writing were a good bit different. Um, I would say that they were um, in the past primarily written by Brian um, and I in the band and the band kind of come in and help arrange the songs. This record has been more of a collaborative writing process and it'll be a nine song record. Um, and so we're really excited about it. Um, the conceptually it's kind of dealing with the aspects of doubt, faith and doubt. Um, and um, even the other day I, I talked to a, <laughs> a couple on a plane who were uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty liberal in their, uh, in their thinking about Jesus. But one of the things they did say that I thought was pretty true is that, you know, if you're not doubting, you're not living. And I think it's, I think there's a lot of truth to that, that Mm. like, yes, there's faith, but I think that part of, I mean, I think about it with my seven year old daughter. I mean, she'll say things like, I just don't know if God is real or she'll say things like, how do I even know he's listening to me when I pray to him? Like Mm. that's, why should why should we shame her or give her some sort of like load her up with a bunch of doctrine to just try and get her to like kind of tide her over until she's eighteen and she's really hit you know a rough spot and it's just, just like why didn't my parents just let me you know why didn't they just like love me through that instead of just trying to change me yeah. and I think that's the that's the thing that this record is gonna really deal with is aspects of the Christian life, but also the life hopefully for people that don't know Jesus would hear it and know that 
it's not that when you become a Christian, you're that much, you just like your thought process. Like, like we're changing, we're being sanctified. Right. But it doesn't make us better than other people. Doesn't mean that our doubts need to be less. Um, it doesn't mean that like we can't doubt. Like, it, I think it's absurd to think that a person who is a Christian um, can't have the same doubts at times that a non-Christian would have. Right. Uh, I think that that's just part of, of life. And the thing that makes the gospel so special is that God has shown us grace and he's not saved us um, to be, um, you know, uh, revelators of our own faith, but he saved us so that we could be um, in union and relationship with him and realizing that we couldn't do that ourselves. And within that is a huge, huge array of opportunity where God is just continuously and daily. And I think it's why such a special part of the Bible where we read, um, you know, and see like the mercies of God are new every morning. That God is just showing his faithfulness to us every single minute of every day. Mm. And it has nothing to do with anything that we're able to accomplish or achieve or maintain, you know, in regards to faith. And so, yes, a lot of that was influenced by Marcel, but a lot of it too is just trying to think about things a little bit differently. And what are songs that the church could not necessarily just sing, but what are songs that could provide opportunity for conversation that maybe we're not really talking a whole lot about right now? Yeah, that's good. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I feel like, you know, we talk about worship music and this gospel song union thing, and I think worship music serves such a good place in the church. But at the same time, within those songs, you, there's not really a place for what you're talking about, um, where you can really recognize, I don't know, that's necessarily something you want to put in a worship song. Uh, I think is what I'm trying mm-hmm. to get at, like, you know, this whole aspect of doubt. Um, like, singing about that as a congregation kind of seems seems weird, I guess, or out of place. But at the same time, mm-hmm. having having a record like what you guys are writing is so good for the church as something to listen through and to think about. Um, and that's something we, you know, we deal with a lot in, in youth group. And Adam, I'm sure you deal with the, the same thing, us both being youth pastors, um, is, mm-hmm. you know, letting, letting students question the Bible. Um, and we've, yeah. we've done series like that in our youth group here where, you know, we had one literally called questioning the Bible and it was just all about like, um, you know, I'm encouraging them. Like I've got a book of questions. I'm just writing notebooks of questions that I have when I'm reading scripture, things that I just don't understand or get yet and encouraging them in that, like, this is okay. It's okay to not have stuff figured out. And I feel like sometimes when non-Christians hear worship music, it's sort of like, we've got it all figured out yeah. and we know yeah. everything about God, but then to have it a record that is a, you know, a Christian, Christian people are writing these songs and saying like, Hey, look, I don't have this all figured out yet. And it, that's okay. And, you know, God is helping me process this as I wrestle with scripture. And, um, something our, our lead pastor says here is, um, you don't have to like everything that you believe. And he's like, Some, sometimes I come across things in the Bible that just don't sit well with me, but I know it's God's word. And so, like, what choice do I have but to believe it? You know, and over time, God works on me to, to make it something that I actually love about God. But at first, it might rub me the wrong way because of my fallen mind and how I understand God. Um, and so I think it's, a, it's letting, letting the world know that side of Christianity where it's like, hey, it, we, you know, you have questions, but so do we. Like, we don't have mm-hmm. it all figured out. And that's why we gather every week is to discuss this stuff and learn more about who God is because we just don't know it all. 
so I, I'm really excited that, that you walked us through that. I'm really excited for your guys' new record. I'm hearing you talk about that. I think that's going to be such a help to believers and non-believers alike, really seeing that side of of um, belief and, and Christianity in general, I think it's going to be a really uh, powerful tool uh, yeah. for evangelism. And I think that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about citizens and saints is that I feel like, you know, I'm a Bible teacher and I, I feel like when I listen to a citizens and saints record, it's like when I read the Psalms because mm-hmm. there's great hope, there's great optimism, great assurance in Christ, but there's also minor chords and doubt and this is the same that's in the psalms you know you, you think of uh you know my feet almost slipped and 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 these mm-hmm. different lines where where there's a lot of despair um and, and there's a good place for that i think yeah i mean that's i think there's just something about like for instance you know one of my really good friends his daughter over the past year has been diagnosed with a terminal um brain tumor called dipg and she is going to die. Uh, they've tried a lot of surgeries. They've tried a lot of different things. And I don't know how you can be human and not just sit there and ask yourself, like, why Why does she have to suffer, you know? Mm. I think that's, like, the first question people start with. But then when you spend time in the Word and you understand more, like, you realize, like, we barely understand who God is. You know, we're, we barely understand. And that's not a bad thing. I think what that means is that through the process of sanctification, the biggest thing that we learn is that God still loves Ella, who's this little girl that's dying, like, still loves her immensely. Like, he loves her more than any one of us could. And he knows, like, that we are in this, exist within this world that's fallen and that has so much cruelty and evil and sin. And then ultimately, like, for us, like, it feels like, oh my gosh, like, her life is robbed so short, but yet... The perspective you get over time is seeing here's this girl who actually is going to be like <laughs> completely healed and whole, you know, in a matter of months or days, who knows, uh, before Jesus. And that in this lifetime of seven years that she got will be, um, in some ways, not insignificant, but will will feel just as significant as if she had spent ninety days because. What matters more than anything is that she knows who she is, and that's that she's a daughter of God. Mm. And so, those are the things that we're just trying to that have been influencing a lot of our writing because people, I think, get into really hard stuff, and we just don't know how to process it. And Adam, you said it, man. Like the Psalms are such a beautiful way and give us a way to communicate with God in the hardest stuff, but also in like when we don't even know what to say and the greatest moments. You know, it gives us direction and, and guidance, and I love that. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for all your your thoughts, uh, Zach, on all of those different questions and and opening up and sharing that story of your of your friend there too. I think I think a lot of people can relate to that. A lot of people. I mean, anytime you work in a church, you just find out a lot more about people's lives than maybe necessarily you even want to know. And sure. uh, and you know, for a lot of people who listen to this, you know, they do work in churches, and so they are in those staff meetings on a weekly basis, hearing about you know the family whose child just got diagnosed yeah. with cancer, and you know, we were just in staff meeting this this last week here, and there's like we have this list now of like families with health issues, and it's just growing and growing, and there's just so many people with these gnarly things where you do yeah. have those times where you're like, really, God, like again, another family. Like mm-hmm. another eight-year-old kid with this like 
uncurable yeah. disease, you know, and they've got to go up to Stanford Hospital for like three months to do all these tests. And you're just like, really, like, again. And mm-hmm. so I think, you know, um, being able to at least recognize that as a church, like, we're going to have those times where we doubt and we question, but God is still God and scripture is still true. Um, and I think having music that can accompany that can help people get through stuff yeah. and recognizing like this, okay, that I feel like this, but I'm still trusting God, even though this hurts and it's hard. Uh, and I'm, I'm excited. I'm just, like I said, I'm excited for this record. I'm excited for that music that's going to be coming and just so appreciate what you guys do and, um, putting, putting that emphasis into the music is going to be great. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for taking the time to uh, to chat with us, Zach. Really appreciate you taking time out of your day to be on here, and uh, it's fun. I know we've had a few conversations now, and it's uh, we're kind of hit hit different things every time we talk to you, and just exciting to see um, you know where you're going personally with music, and also with the band, and uh, kind of be on the other side of of Mars Hill now, and seeing how God's growing um, you guys as a group out of that is just really neat to see. And, that's been a blessing to a lot of people so uh, keep doing what you guys are doing we're really benefiting from it as a church Um, I know churches all over the place are playing your guys songs and people are just learning more about who God is and so really blessed by you guys and the songwriting efforts that you're putting forth so keep it up it's good stuff and uh, we need it so I was going to say appreciate it thanks a lot yeah